Uh, and this is an introduction to our new sermon series. I don't know if you've ever bought some exercise equipment, you know, some special workout device that's going to improve your health, your fitness, maybe help you lose weight. But I wonder how many of you actually use it. You see, too often we know how important exercise and fitness is. We may even spend some money buying some equipment or some trainers. But nine times out of ten, these things either stay in a cupboard or, or they become a drying rack. And yet, if we took exercise seriously, if we regularly worked out and gained good habits, then it would make the world a difference to our health. Now, I've been doing some research on the internet, and according to numerous experts, if you really want to improve your health, your fitness, and your strength, then you need to focus on what is called your core. Basically, the area around your middle is what we call the abs, and the muscles that support the lower back. Exercising the core muscles is important because it aids our stability, it reduces the chance of pain and injury, it makes us more flexible and enables us to push our bodies further. In other words, it creates a strong foundation to build upon. If you take care of your core, your whole body will be healthier and more suited for the rigors of exercise. What is true for our bodies is also true for Christ's body, the church. And if as a church we take care of the core, then we will become more stable as a fellowship, there will be a reduced chance of pain and injury, we'll be more flexible in our mission and our practices, changing the way we do things to suit our context, and it will give us a strong foundation, enabling us to push ourselves further and be risk takers for God. So during the month of May, we're going to be looking at how we can exercise and strengthen our core, the foundational elements of who we are as the body of Christ. And we're going to be looking at these five topics. One, radical hospitality. Two, passionate worship. Three, questioning faith. Four, risky mission. And five, sacrificial generosity. And we're going to ask ourselves, how can we improve in these five areas, both as a church and also as individuals? How can we make our core stronger and ourselves healthier? <laughs> Even if I do say so myself. Last Sunday, we had uh, a guest speaker from CAP, which is Christians Against Poverty. Um, we led, we had a... Um, a um, workshop on money management over a number of weeks, uh, which is a CAP course, and we're going to do a few more of those uh, this year. But we had a guy from CAP called Nigel come and share to us a little bit about the bigger vision of CAP. And I found it really exciting. I found it really exciting, this idea of churches helping individuals to not only sort out their finances, maybe they found find themselves in crippling debts, but actually to help out their, sort their lives out and introduce them to Jesus. And we saw a great testimony of a guy called Simon, whose life was a mess after the death of his wife. Financially, he was really facing difficulties. He was introduced to the church and was introduced to Jesus, and it turned his life around. And I was sitting there watching that video thinking, I would love to be that kind of person that could transform Jesus people's lives 
by just spending time with them, making time for them, and introducing them to Jesus. But I watched it thinking, I don't know how I can get to that. My life is so busy, my life is so full, and yet I see that vision of CAP and that vision of what church could be. I think it would be so good if we could do that. If, if I could orientate my life less around my needs and more around the needs of others, actually I could become more like Jesus. Well, at the end of this talk on radical hospitality, I want to give you four simple, not easy, four simple steps that will help you to transform your life so that you can help transform the lives of others. So that's the plan. That's the promise. Now, put your hands up if you've ever worked in like a restaurant or a cafe, you know, as a, maybe a chef or a, a waiter or waitress. A few, yeah? Yeah, it's a few, yeah. I did, when I was probably in my late teens, early 20s, one shift in a coffee shop, a tea shop in Ipswich. Uh, my, uh, my sister's boyfriend at the time worked there, and someone had called in sick, and he rang me up and said, can you come in and fill in this shift for this person? So I thought, oh, okay, I'll, I'll do that. It's not a problem. God, it was difficult. It was, I made a complete mess of it. They never asked me to come back again. For a start, just the length of time of having to do the same thing. Like, I don't know how, it, I was just counting the clock the entire time. I'm not used to those lengths of times. If you're used to shift work, you probably are. Secondly, I couldn't get, quite get the hang of the dishwasher. We didn't have dishwashers in those days. And I, used to, I just put the plates in, they all came out with the food still attached. It was, it was, I caused a lot of problems. And then what made it even worse was I was so efficient, so good at my job, that I cleared up one man's teacup and teapot before he'd even sat down to have it. And he was like, what, what, what are you doing? And I was, oh. So it was a complete mess. So if you work in a coffee shop or a clothes store or anywhere where you have something to sell, then you are taught the importance of making the right impression. You know, being welcoming, not too pushy. Always there to help and to listen. Willing to go the extra mile where necessary. It's about getting the customer to buy something and hopefully come back. Again, and maybe you've got good or bad experiences of restaurants, cafes, shops like that. The other week, actually last Monday, we went to Decathlon in Crawley because we're looking at getting a scooter for Jen because she's the only one in our family that hasn't got one. Um, so she was a bit jealous. And then we had a lovely, lovely guy who was looking around, taking stuff out of boxes and ringing up other stores to look for stuff. And he, you know, he went the extra mile. He did more than was needed for us. But also I've been into Costa and kind of, it looks like I'm inconveniencing them rather than buying from them. We have good and bad experiences of different places. It's so important that we think carefully about the impressions that visitors get when they come to this church. We haven't exactly got something for them to, to sell them but we do want them to come back, and we do want them to hear more about Jesus. So we need to ask questions such as, is there a funny smell? There's always a funny smell at churches, it seems, and we don't always notice it. Is it obvious where the toilets are? That's incredibly important to me when I go somewhere. Do they know who the people are? Is it clear what's happening 
Do people talk to them? Making the right impression is vital, otherwise people will walk out and not come back. And what applies to commerce also applies to church. And I remember a time when um, I was training at Spurgeon College to become a Baptist minister, and I got introduced to the church that I was going to spend a couple of years placed with. And they introduced me and Jen at the front. They knew who we were. It got to the end when the teas and coffees were being served. And it was like there was an invisible force field around us. You could see everyone having their conversations. And we were just sitting there, not spoken to. See, do you come to church? If you're a regular here, do you come to church going, I'm going to seek out and talk to people who are new? Or someone I haven't spoken to before? Or are you just going to go and talk to the people that you always talk to? Have your own little conversations. See, being hospitable is about putting others before yourself. It's about giving them a right amount of attention. attention. It's about knowing good boundaries, being sensitive to them. Some people want to be talked to, some people just don't. What is vital is that when someone comes to this church, be it their first time or their 100th time, that they feel welcome, they feel important, and they feel accepted. And a lot of this comes down to creating an environment where people can feel comfortable. And little things can help. Keep people easily identified. That's why we have the kids' group wearing the T-shirts. Clean, modern, modern, and comfortable surroundings such as these. Making it obvious what's happening. At certain and what to do at certain points of the service. Not assuming that everyone knows what goes on in the service or knows the whole Bible inside and out and therefore understand what you're talking about in your sermons. Is there a place for parents to go with young children? Does it matter if they don't go with their young children? Is there water for those that need it, particularly on a hot day? Nice tea and coffee, good biscuits. There's a whole list we could go on and on. But what we want to do is give our best and show that hospitality is important. And really, these are obvious things. If you're running a business, you want to go that extra mile to make people feel at home. And we need to do exactly the same at church. This is good hospitality. But I'm not preaching on good hospitality this morning, important as it is. I'm preaching on radical hospitality. And that's a whole other ball game. See, the word radical originates from a Latin word that means coming from the roots or rising from the source. And in this case, it means the practices of Jesus. We're rooting what we do in the life of Jesus. Radical means drastically different from ordinary practice. Radical exceeds expectation. And radical forms a foundation upon, what, on, upon which we work. So what does radical hospitality look like? We're going to look at a passage uh, from Mark, one of the four, uh, the four Gospels, the four stories about Jesus, the good news of Jesus. And it's Mark chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 13 to 16. And if you've been to any dedication services, uh, this will be familiar to you. This is what it says, verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, 
For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. So this is a short story uh, that appears in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it says something really important about how Jesus viewed his ministry and people generally. And you can imagine the scenario. Jesus was doing the rounds, followed by crowds, spreading his message, talking to important people. In fact, he'd just been engaged in a serious conversation with some guys called Pharisees that are really important religious guys. Now, whilst Jesus was doing this important work, there probably wasn't much for his followers, his friends, his disciples to do. So they kind of act as bouncers, deciding who um, should be able to trouble the great and famous Jesus with their problems. Pharisees, yes. Parents, no. Perhaps they thought that Jesus had more important people to see. Perhaps they thought that parents were coming with their wrong motives, seeing Jesus as some sort of good luck talisman for their children. Perhaps they thought that children should be seen but not heard. Or maybe they just didn't like anyone under the age of 10. I know some people who are like that. Whatever the reason, disciples, disciples decided that these children should not be allowed to get anywhere near Jesus. Now we're told that when Jesus found out... He was indignant. That's the word it uses in the NIV. But the Greek word behind that is a lot stronger than that. It basically means Jesus was angry. He was pained. He was vexed. He was really, really, really annoyed with his disciples for what they had done. And he tells them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. You see, Jesus' ministry was all about meeting with the undesirables, the sick, the young, the old, the blind, the cripple, the tax collector, the prostitutes. He spoke with them, he healed them, he blessed them, and he went to their homes and ate with them. Remember someone said to me, who you eat with says a lot about your faith and your theology. Who you eat with says a lot about your faith and your theology. See, the church, Christ's body, Christ's ambassadors, representatives on earth are supposed to be like Jesus. And yet too often, we can become bouncers who filter out the undesirables and prevent them from coming to Jesus. We may not even necessarily realize that, but our attitude can cause that. I remember one local pastor saying before he came along, the church didn't really like children because they sport their new, to new, new carpets. I, I remember being part of a church where we didn't have refreshments because we didn't want them to spill on the new chairs. There are so many ways that we can make Sunday services inhospitable, sometimes without even knowing it. Sometimes it's good to get feedback from people that come for the first time, uh, come from the outside, and just say, okay, 
What, were, what was good? What wasn't? If you're here for the first time, tell me. Email us. Contact us. Say, oh, I love this, but have you thought about changing that? Because we are often so blind to it. I said we're often blind to the smell. There, I don't think there's a nasty smell uh, in here. <laughs> no, no, that's good. But we can, there's an advert, are you nose blind? And we can be a bit like that with our welcome. But being hospitable on a Sunday, well, that's just the start. We can welcome people into our church. We can offer them a filter coffee. We can offer them a nice biscuit, maybe even a cake. But when it comes to welcoming them into our hearts and into our homes, well, that just isn't quite so easy, is it? See, normal hospitality, as we've already spoken about, is hospitality within certain constraints. Well, we only go so far, we only do so much, and we don't like it when people try and cross the line. Now, we're happy to accept you on a Sunday service, but only if you behave in a certain way and dress in an appropriate manner and use words that are acceptable to our sensibilities. Then if you meet all the requirements and you follow all the unspoken rules about what it means to become a Christian and be a Christian, then maybe, just maybe, we'll let you be part of our church. And then if you are really, really good, and you're demonstrated that you're someone worth knowing, well, then I might invite you around to my home for a coffee or a meal. It's this model where we say, if you believe and you behave, then you can belong. But Jesus didn't work that way. So that's not radical hospitality. And it's not going to work because we live in a society that has little or no concept of sin. Where lifestyle choices are abundant and guilt-free. And role models are based, are found in programs such as Love Island and EastEnders. Neither of which I watch, by the way. The people who live in our community do not fit within our nice, neat model of behaviours and beliefs. And if we want to be seen as a radical, radically say that again. If we want to be seen as a radically hospitable church, then we need to realise that and change the way we work accordingly, because the world out there is messy, and we need to be prepared, be prepared to get messy ourselves in order to be welcoming and to see people's lives. If we are being truly successful in our mission and our purpose as a church, then people who are not like us, who maybe we find difficult and undesirable, who ask difficult questions, who refuse to conform, will come to us looking for acceptance, love and community and find it. Because they want genuine friendship, like we all do. They want to know that God loves them, that they are of supreme value, and that their life is significant. They are people who need to know that they are not alone, that when they face life's difficulties, they are surrounded by a community of grace, and they do not have to figure out how to cope with life on their own. And this may well come long before they even think about God and sin and where they fit into it all. When, they pe when these people come to us, what will they find? 
Or will it be radical hospitality? See, radical hospitality has no expectations. Radical hospitality is not just friendly and courteous, passively receiving visitors warmly. It's about depth and authenticity. It's about going that extra mile and beyond. It's about making sacrifices for the sake of others. It's about making ourselves uncomfortable so that others will feel comfortable. It's about allowing people to glimpse the unmerited, gracious love of God that was clearly demonstrated in the life of Jesus. And radical hospitality pervades every part of us. It changes us because it involves our lives being increasingly rooted in Jesus. So where do we start? How do we become the radically hospitable church that we should be? Well, here comes the kicker. It starts with you as individuals. And as I promised at the beginning, here are four simple but not easy steps of how you can do it. Number one, pray. Good place to start, really. If you're sitting there this morning and you agree with what I've said, but you just can't see how you will ever be able to be like that, then talk to God about it. Ask him to change you from the inside out by his Holy Spirit. Ask him to shape you and mold you into the image of Jesus so that you can become more like him. We do this in God's strength, not ours. We do it through the work of the Holy Spirit, not through efforts on our own part. So number one, pray. Number two, expand your boundaries. Start to think of your hospitality beyond the confines of these four walls. Start to meet socially with people within this church. Invite them around for dinner. I don't just mean those you would naturally connect with, but maybe those that you wouldn't normally hang out with. We, this is very, very exciting, we're going to help you do this. Okay? We are starting up a new initiative called Meet and Greet. No, Meet and Eat. Meet and eat. You can still be vegetarian. It's not that sort of meat. Um, there are sign-up sheets. They're in the church for it, I think. Um, thank you. And what I'm going to ask you to do, on the June the 12th, we are going to have a day when we're going to meet in each other's homes for food. And you can sign up to be a host or a hosted, hostee, not hostess. Um, you can either sign up to um, give the food or eat the food. Okay, and you can sign up on the sheet for June the 12th. If you would like, you can put your name on both lists and we will try and work it out. We will connect you with some people. We're not going to just do this once. We're going to look at doing this maybe two or three times a year where you open up your homes or you go to the homes of someone else that maybe you've seen at church but you haven't quite connected with. And you're just going to spend time uh, with them. We're, not going to, we're going to try and work it so that we're not sticking one person on their own with a family. Maybe we go in pairs. You, what you need to do is tell us, one, which list you want to be in. If you're hosting, how many people are you willing to, to cook for? Uh, and if you're uh, wanting to be hosted, then how many people are there? 
Okay, um, and please, please realise this is not about a dinner party. We're not doing volivants and uh, souffles. This is just about foods. The most important thing is about meeting together and meeting new people. So the list is going to be around for the next month or so. June the 12th, put it in your diary. After church, we're going to go off and eat in people's homes. That's number two, expand your uh, boundaries. Two more, we're almost there. Number three, reach out. Practice the art of radical hospitality with those who don't come to church on a Sunday. Now this may be five for some of you, but for many of us, including me, I've been so kind of sucked into church stuff that actually I don't really know anyone that doesn't go to church. And that's a bit of a problem. So start to reach out to those people that you maybe see on a school run or you go to work with. And say, do you want to meet up for a coffee? Do you want to come around for some foods? Make friends with people. Invite them to your homes. Get to know them better. Because it may be the only time they get to see something of Jesus. Then lastly, number four. Go the extra mile. And this is probably the hardest bit because it involves sacrifice on our part. It means opening not just our doors but our lives to those that perhaps we struggle with. It's about being put out. It's about being frustrated. Dare I say it's about being taken advantage of. See, as a church, radical hospitality is core to our mission and our personality. It's the way we show people out there that in here, we are the body of Christ. And that God loves us. No ifs, no buts. Full stop. Some questions are going to come up. and just give you some time to reflect. What drew you to this church or another church? How were you shown love and hospitality? Do you understand the importance of showing the love of God before sharing your faith? This involves listening, withholding judgment and making yourself uncomfortable. What's your next step in becoming a radically hospitable person? What can you change in order to take that step?